Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Hey, everybody, welcome in to the flagship podcast interview. Very excited to, uh, to bring in uh, the 2010 William V. Campbell Trophy winner, the 2010 Werfel Trophy winner, um, and the number two all-time fumble recoverer in Texas football history, the one and only Sam Acho. You saw him on uh, Longhorn Network doing work during the Orange-White game, so... Of course, I had to call my man, Sam Acho, and get his thoughts on Texas Longhorns football. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing good, Chip. I, I'm glad to be on with you, and I, I got a chance to call the game. I was a field analyst, which was fun, and I did pregame and postgame, but many people don't know you were a huge part of my preparation. I was listening to you and your podcast uh, as I was prepping for, for the game, and so Really thank you for what you do, because uh, it was exciting to hear your voice again after all those years of us doing stuff together uh, back back about a decade ago. Well, I appreciate that, Sam. I appreciate that. I'm happy to help. You know, I love what I do. So I'm I'm lucky to be able to still be talking about college football at, at a marquee program like Texas and get to meet great people like you and and your brother, Emmanuel, and your incredible family and all the, the great work that your uh, your your dad has done um, in helping bring uh, medical help to um, you know completely underserved areas in in Africa and you know your family's just fantastic so any any time I get to to speak with uh, with Sam Acho I'm going to be a little smarter after the the conversation but it's it was good to see you on on LHN and of course uh, you played at Texas, and I, I got to ask you about those fumble recoveries because I was looking it up before uh, the interview. Nine fumble recoveries is number two all time at Texas. So, you know, you caused eight fumbles and you had 23 and a half sacks, which is top 10 in Texas football history. But those fumbles, that's that's sometimes just the bounce of the ball or is that is that knowing where to be? Well, I would say two things. One. My, the first thing that came to my mind was if anyone watched the Last Dance documentary when Dennis Rodman was like, I'll go this way and I'll go that way, how he does like the rebounding thing. Yeah. Like I used to I used to love, and football's a little bit different, but I played basketball a ton in high school and it's kind of like my first love when it comes to sports. So I used to love finding the trajectory of the ball as it was getting ready to go towards the rim, whether it was a free throw or whatever, and getting in the right position to get the rebound. And so there were games in basketball where I'd get 15, 18, you know, in high school, right? 20 rebounds a game because yes, I was big and strong and I had, you know, different moves to get it, but I would also use my mind and look at the trajectory of the ball to get a rebound. I love it. Football's a little bit different because it, the ball may not even come out. So you have to force the fumble first and then recover it. But one of the things that I realized is, is that I wanted to make an impact. And I said, okay, what are the best ways to make an impact on the football field? Well, the name of the game is football. The, the point of the game is about the ball. No matter what you do, you could run your guy over. You could, you could 
you know, be running down on, on, on kickoff or make a guy miss. But if the ball's on the other side, all that you did really doesn't matter. And so my goal was to get as much around the ball as possible. So when I would go and play defensive end, when I would go and get a sack, I realized I was taught that, okay, a sack is great, but if you actually just go for the ball, it not only does it count as a sack, but it counts as a forced fumble. And so in my mind, I'm like, well, shoot, that would probably hurt a lot less if I just get the ball rather than trying to hit this guy. <laughs> and, and it counts as a forced fumble, which I'll get to in a second. Oh, and by the way, it's a turnover, which turnover is usually one of the deciding factors in helping a team win or lose. And so just real quick, the competition part, I said it, it counts more. Will Muschamp was our defensive coordinator, and we had these this this point system to say, okay, if you get a sack or an interception or whatever, it counted as, as points. So we would all compete against each other. Me, Earl Thomas, Keenan Robinson, Emmanuel, A.J. Williams, all these guys we would compete. And so I always wanted to – and whoever whoever got the most production points, as we called it, at the end of this, at the end of the week, would get a you know like a T-shirt or whatever. Or if you forced a fumble or recovered one, you get a, a T-shirt that said Ball Hawk, right? We said we want to be Ball Hawks. Then at the end of the season, you would get this like, championship belt for the most points, most production points. And so fumbles, forced and recovered, counted for a lot. And so any sack, I'll try to force them. And then for recovering fumbles, I would just a lot of that is about effort. If I'm just being totally honest, it's about effort, being around the ball. You can't recover a fumble if you're not around the ball. Now, here's the here lies the rub. The ball only comes out once a blue moon. And so you could sprint to the ball. Let's say you're on the other side. You can sprint to the ball one out of 600 plays, or excuse me, every, every 600 plays. The ball may only come out three, four times during those, those 600 plays. Yeah. So if you don't sprint to the ball, you don't even have a chance. And so I always wanted that chance. And so that was the thing, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, the production points I did, I did end up the season with the belt. And so like the production points and, that, and also the comp competition factor in, co in, in college, we competed, but even in the NFL, when I, I got drafted to the Cardinals and Earl Thomas at the time played for the Seattle Seahawks and his team was way better than mine. That was the Legion of boom when they were playing. But I remember we were playing in a game one year and, they were they were blowing us out but i had just got a sack or something or did something good and i saw earl because maybe he was on a special teams play or something and i said hey earl i got more production points than you it was kind of what i said <laughs> and i thought it was funny right so i'm like yeah I, I got but people don't remember earl's a competitor too so earl just looked me in my eye and pointed to the scoreboard we were down by 50 he's like yeah man look at those points and so i, I that shut me up very quickly that is hilarious um, talking to Sam Acho and what, uh, what was it like, uh, growing up in the Acho household? I mean, how I'm, I'm, I got an 18 year old who's going off to college, Sam, and I pray for him every day. I mean, what was it like growing up in the Acho household? It was great. It was normal for us and everybody who grows up, I think no matter where you grow up, that's your normal. And so it was normal for us. We played a ton of sports. Really, Emmanuel started that. He was super rambunctious and all around the house. And so our parents just wanted to get us out of the house so we wouldn't break things. And so 
we started playing sports at a young age, soccer, about five or six years old, basketball, you know, five, six, seven years old. And, and we would go to school and, and all the things. So it would be fall and spring would be soccer seasons for us. Parents came from Nigeria, so soccer was the main sport that they knew. Winter would be basketball season. And so even since we were little, we'd be playing together, Emmanuel and I on the same soccer teams and basketball team. And then, and we started baseball as we got older and all those things, but we would just play a ton of sports and then education was big as well. So yes, we played video games, but homework always came first. Our parents really valued and Nigerian parents in particular really value education just because for them, for my parents, education was the only way out. If you, if you didn't have an education, you really couldn't advance in life at all. And so when they came to America, they realized they came to get their education. My dad went and got a PhD. My mom's a doctor. Now, like, that's why they came. So they said, oh, no, y'all got to get your education as well. So we went to a really prestigious school, the number one rated school in the, in the nation. Uh, academically, people score perfect scores on the SATs. And, you know, one of my friends from fifth grade won the, the National Spelling Bee. That was the kind of school we went to. But St. also Marks. we love sport. St. Mark's, bingo, St. Mark's. Yep. And, uh, and also we love sports as well. And then also faith was huge in our family. Uh, my, my dad is a, uh, is a, is a marriage counselor. He's a therapist. So he, he helps people who are struggling in their marriages. He is a businessman, but he also uh, loves Jesus and helps pastor a church. And so for us, like, yes, education, yes, go out and play sports, but man, like Jesus is the bedrock of our family and of our foundation and so that was always, no matter where we were going to go, that was always the thing, the foundation. And it was, okay, how do you love others? How do you love God? And how do you, in a lot of ways, not necessarily love yourself, but allow God to love you. Because so many people, we, we don't love ourselves well. And then we don't let others love us well. Or may, we may not even love others well, whether because we've been hurt or, or you know, whatever um and so you know that's why i even wrote a book i wrote a book called let the world see you how to be real in a world full of fakes like what in that book's about what it means to be seen to be known to be loved it just came out before christmas but it's like how do you love well and so our the foundation of our family is our love for jesus our love for god and then also um, this 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 desire to make an impact on the world i love it uh, let the world see you how to be real in a world full of fakes. I am ordering that today because um, I've, I've read your brother's book, um, Emmanuel's book, and proud of him, everything that he's doing, and, and proud of you, Sam, because um, you and I talked about, about a year ago, and you were finishing up the book, and now, now it's out, so let the world see you how to be real in a world full of fakes. Um, and oh, by the way, Sam Acho, uh, a fourth round draft pick of the Arizona Cardinals, played in the league for almost 10 years. Um, and of course, you know, we're talking a little football here today. And you were a part of um, the national uh, champion, the run to the national championship game in 09. And, and know what it takes to get there. And, and so 
let's start off with the Texas defense. And, you know, you played on the defensive line. You, you were versatile. You played everywhere. Um, when you look at this defense, it kind of starts up front, right? What, what stands out to you about, about this, uh, this Texas defense? I think the first thing that stands out to me is Keandre Coburn. Last year when I was on campus, and I'll talk about on the field and off the field. Last year when I was on campus, the players, including Sam, were trying to figure out what can we do to make an impact on our campus and in our community. And I happened to be in town. I was giving a talk to the soccer team and some people on the football team said, hey, could you share a little bit with us about what we can do to make an impact in the community? It was the old coaching staff. It was optional. People didn't have to show up. It was after a long, hot, arduous practice. And I don't know, 40, 50 guys came up for this talk. And it wasn't just me. There was a, uh, an older woman from who, who does work in the community. And Kevin Washington helped set it up. He's essentially the director of player engagement, if you will. You know, NFL teams have this, you know, this liaison between the players, helps them, helps them in life, really. And Sam and Keandre were like the leaders. They didn't say much. It wasn't like they were like, hey, look at me. But man, Keandre is a leader. And I got a chance to talk to him in preparation for the spring game. And he said, I'm, I've won at every level. Middle school, high school. He said, he said, I know what it takes to win. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to help my team win. And oh, by the way, I finally have a coaching staff who believes in me, who anyone believes in me, but who, who he said, I, he said, I have a coach. He said, with this staff, we asked him about the staff. He said, man, I just, it's just, it's fun to go to work again. It's fun to come to practice. And it's interesting to hear college players say, go to work. In the NFL, we say, this is my job. I'm going to work. Well, Keandre Coburn understands, yes, it's, I'm a college athlete, but this really is work. And so off the field, he cares about his community, but also on the field, he's just a stalwart. He is a foundational piece of that defense. I get excited as well about Moro, Moro Ojimo, who in my mind is almost like this rising star. I think of Draymond Green in basketball, how he's not going to give you 25 points, but he'll give you about 12 points, about 15 rebounds, and about seven assists, and three or four steals. He'll fill up the stat sheet. That's kind of what I try to do, and I feel like with Moro, he may not give you 15 sack so I'm sure it's his goal but he may give you eight sacks five forced fumbles 13 tackles for loss three fumble recovery and maybe even more eight fumble recoveries let me let him beat my stats <laughs> um I try to I'm trying to deep I don't know let him beat my sacks 10 10 fumbles 10 fumbles. you know so he's gonna he's gonna help fill up the stat sheet think about Jacoby Jones his hunger watching him play like he is hungry Think about Ray Thornton as well, transfer from LSU. So I get excited about the defensive line defensively. I also get excited about the defensive backfield, Deshaun Jameson, Josh Thompson. I get excited about those guys. I mean, I, I was watching film and of practice. 
not even of games, but of practice of the, and not even of scrimmaging and practice of the drills. And if you watch, watch Josh Thompson's eyes in practice, DBs are all about eyes. Feet are important and hands are solid. It's, it's important, but eyes mean everything. If you lose your eyes, you're done. And in the drill work, a five-yard drill, this guy's eyes are like lasers, so dialed in. I'm like, oh, this dude's going to be good. And he already is good, but always on, he wants to get better. And then Deshaun as well. Same thing. Like, they want to be great. Be great. I remember I was, I was on the field during the game, and I, I hadn't met a lot of these guys. So I said, let me just dap up some of these guys and say what's up. And I saw Deshaun. I was close to him. I just said, hey, man, keep up the good work. You're going to be great. Keep it up. You know, and he kind of nodded his head. And, and a quarter later, he gets a, a pick six to end the half. Yeah. So, so I, yeah. So I get excited about that. I get excited about Schooler stepping up the safety position. I get excited. I get excited about, about get that Jaron Thompson. They call him bug, right? He's, he's one of these foundational pieces in my opinion. No, we haven't talked about inside linebacker. Well, they call, they call him bug. They call him bug. Why is that? Do we know? Yeah, they call him bug. Because I think it's just like, and I was talking to, to to PK, and I think it was because just like he's always kind of like around the ball. I don't know, I you know, I gotta, I don't, I don't really know exactly, but but PK Kukowski, uh, they they said, man, we call him Bug because he's just, you know, maybe ask Kukowski. Yeah, that'll get you better. But um, but you, I, I mean, mean, you you said foundational player, so you yeah. think, you think this he's is, He's a guy. Defense? Absolutely. Absolutely. At the safety position, because here's the deal. He is, and once again, this is from PK, uh, uh, Kukowski. Yep. In the film room, and this is what PK said, in, in the film room, you want guys who are like watching it, taking notes, eager to learn. Sometimes, and sometimes that's normal, but other times it's like, okay, let me get out of here. And, you know, I know this already. And Jaron Thompson is the opposite. He's literally taking notes watching film, leaning forward, coach, give me as much of this as possible. And for the safety position, you need that. Yeah. You need that. I don't care for any defensive back, really for any position, but specifically defensive backs. You need that. One of the best, a pro bowler, a guy who I played with, Kyle Fuller in Chicago, film room, film room, film room. Pro had a pro bowl season. You know, we can go to Patrick Peterson and all these other guys. So, so, so that's what, in my opinion, makes Jaron Thompson different. And once again, I don't know how big he's going to show up on this on the stat sheet yet, but trust me, it'll come. Yeah, it'll come. And so, so, and then, and then inside linebacker, uh, I'm a fan of David Benda, but uh, just from watching the, the the practices. But but also, Texas just got a transfer, the number one rated, if I'm not mistaken, linebacker. He came from Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right, Ben um, Davis. Van Davis, linebacker. So I see, I see potential, but I do know that it takes time. I don't expect overnight success. When I was in Chicago with the Bears, I played with Vic Fangio, who's a defensive genius, one of the great defensive minds in the NFL. My fourth year with the team, we had the number one defense. 
but it took time. We had to learn the system, learn the scheme so it could become second nature. Before we got there, I got there with Vic. The Bears were the 32nd rated defense two years before, and then the 31st rated the year before. There's only 32 teams, so they were last. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then and then Vic came in and, and we ran up to maybe 16. So not top 10, but better than 32. The next year, that was his first year. The next year we were around like nine. Wow. A lot better, top 10, but still had ways to go. The after that, I think we went to we were at nine or ten again, injuries and all those things, but we were getting better. Fourth year of the defense, we were the number one rated defense in nearly every statistical category setting records like historically it took time but also let's not forget Vic is a defensive genius so that you know I mean so so I guess the point that I'm making is that it takes time to build great defenses and so number one you got to recruit which Texas is doing and number two you have to have buy-in which which we shall see yeah and that you know that defensive line I've said outside of quarterback it's the most important player recruited by a college football coach. And if you can get difference making defensive linemen, especially the interior, those tackles, man, it sets you apart. I'll never forget. I, I tell this story a lot, but I was out at uh, the, the college football awards, the, the Home Depot awards in Orlando. And, and I walked out with Guy Morris, who had uh, punter Daniel Sepulveda there. And he said, Chip, I'm going to get fired if I can't get me some defensive tackles at Baylor. And, and I'll, I'll never forget that because I, I, it's just so critical. And that's why I value your opinion so much because you're one of those guys. And, and it seems like Texas has dudes. I mean, Keandre, Tavondre Sweat, Alfred Collins, um, Morrow. You know, Morrow was only – you know, I think he was like 16 when he signed his letter of intent to Texas and, you know, turned 17 as a freshman and is now, you know, about to turn 19. You know, I mean, he's a young guy. He is. He is. And and it's funny you mentioned those names. Andre Sweat and Alfred Collins. And dudes, you know, I think about you you mentioned these dudes, but I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that dudes have to play like dudes. Yeah. We all know that, you know, the Big 12 is a passing league and all those things, but we also know that if you want to, you can't be a good defense if you can't stop the run, in my opinion. Now, you might say, well, it's a Big 12, everyone's running everywhere, but, you know, if it's fourth and one at the goal line, you got to have guys who can stop the run. Yeah. And so Keandre Coburn is a dude who plays like a dude. Everybody and Tavondre said, well, right. But like all the dudes need to play like dudes. And so like everyone like needs to step their level up to a consistent level where it's not like up and down. It's I'm, I'm, I'm dominating every play. Yeah. Alfred Collins needs to dominate. If you want to be good, if you want, if you want, if we want the, Texas defense wants to be good. Alfred Collins needs to dominate every play like he can. Yeah. Capable. That's so, so cool. 
bingo, he has the tools, but you have to do it every play. And those are the things I don't know, you know, maybe he listens or not like, and I haven't got a chance to chat with him yet, but like, those are the things like Alfred, you're a beast. You're a physical specimen. You have all the tools, but you, you need to do it every play and every day, not just on Sun on Saturdays, but every single practice you should take over practice period. There's yeah. no one on the offensive line who can block you. I don't care where you're, whether you're on the inside or on the outside, no one can block you. So every single day you need to, you need to take over. What will that do? Number one, I don't make your offensive line better because what's going to happen is they're going to go against you in practice at the dominant you. And then they're going to go to a game and be like, Oh man, these guys are trash. I go against better. I go against better guys. In practice. That's how it was for us. We, yeah. we had, you know, uh, and I, I don't like, I don't love making comparisons, but like when you have really good defensive linemen or offensive linemen, you say, Oh, I, I went against better in practice. Yeah. So the game is easy. Like that's what I'll need from Alfred. Cause he wants to go to the next level. I'm sure that's what I need. And I, you know, I, I need to, I need to hit him up, but that those are the things right to sweat, you know, Keandre Coburn every single day you play like a dude. Yeah. That's what needs to happen. Cause, cause you, you know, the back end needs help. The linebacker position needs help. You're the strength of the team play like the strength. Yeah. That's great stuff. Uh, we'll take a quick break with Sam Acho. Come back at his thoughts on the offense and Steve Sarkeesian when the flagship podcast interview continues. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Sam, um, let me get your thoughts on on the offense. Obviously, the quarterback situation. Um, Sam Ellinger moves on, and um, and God bless the Ellinger family after the uh, the death of Jake Ellinger. Just uh, devastating. Um, but you have Casey Thompson and and Hudson Card and Steve Sarkeesian, who's considered one of the best play callers in all of college football. And so how do you see this developing? I would need chip. I would need a crystal ball. I'm so honest. I would need a crystal ball. I was. So I saw, you know, Alamo bowl. Casey was phenomenal. Yep. Saw some of the practices, saw some inconsistencies, watched the spring game saw some inconsistencies. And then I think about Sark, because my thing is, man, Sark develops quarterbacks, period. He develops quarterbacks. He cares about them. He knows how a quarterback thinks. He knows what to look for. 
he empathizes so he, he plays to their strengths. He gave an example of you know, Tua and Mac Jones. They said, "Man, well, Sark, you only do you're a you know Tua can only do the zone read and and all that stuff." And I think he threw maybe fifty touchdowns, but Sass may be off, but he balled. So you you know you know you you only do well with mobile quarterbacks. He said, "Okay, next next year you had Mac Jones." Mac Jones is the opposite of mobile. He's immobile. <laughs> and then, and, and Mac Jones dominated. So like people, so I get, so people think that it's about mobile versus not mobile. It doesn't matter with Sark. He's going to find your strengths and maximize them. But I would need a crystal ball because the thing I know is that Sark wants to win and he wants to win now. Unlike other coaches, like, yes, everybody else wants to win, but Sark has no time and no tolerance for anything less than your best. You know why he can do that? Because he cares about the players and he wants them to succeed. He wants them to be their best. And so if I'm Sark and I've seen the Alamo Bowl, but then I've seen inconsistencies in practice, and then obviously there's this transfer portal that's wide open. He compared it to free agency in, in the NFL is what he compared it to when we were chatting. Yeah. I would need a crystal ball because Casey Thompson has strengths and maybe you, maybe you maximize his strengths to build an offense around that Hudson card has strengths and who knows if he's ready to go and, and, and maximize his strengths. Mac Jones sat for a couple of years. Let's not forget. Yep. So, and then there's a transfer portal. So I would just need a crystal ball. I don't know what I, I was, Calling the spring game, I thought I had a better idea. I really did. But pregame, I was doing it, and you know, I was talking, and I had, thought I had a good idea. And then I watched the game, and I had no idea. <laughs> so, and I don't know if the coaches know either, if I'm being honest. I think they have their thoughts, but I really don't know if they know either. I think they're hoping that one of the two separates themselves in, in fall, in fall ball, summer ball. Yeah. Yeah, I mean – the good news is they both have things that can develop and grow. And it looks like they are putting in the work to get to where they can be difference makers. And obviously you mentioned that quarterbacks excel in Sarkeesian's offense. He, he maximizes the talent and kind of the way Lincoln Riley has done with quarterbacks at OU. And, and so that's going to be even um, a great storyline this year these two offensive minded coaches who are great at developing quarterbacks going head to head, but obviously B. John Robinson is a special talent. What do you think of the offensive line? Um, Sam talking to Sam Acho, of course, and because the offensive line, um, you know, you've got a young center in Jake majors. Who's who stepped right in and seems really smart. He's got good feet. He understands all of his responsibilities it sounded like the coaches were excited about Denzel Okafor um, playing on the left side at, at guard. Um, but you've got Christian Jones over there at left tackle in the spring and, and Derek Kerstetter coming back maybe to right tackle. What do you, what are your thoughts on the offensive line? Crazy enough. And I don't know what people think about the O-line, but I'm excited. I'm really excited about the O-line. I got a chance to, look up to 
Denzel and Christian Jones as I was on the sideline and they were towering over me. I felt a little intimidated <laughs> as a defensive lineman. I'm like, dude, y'all are 18 and 20 something. And I'm y'all are this big. And, and I get excited about those guys, but mainly because of their chemistry. It seems like they care. So, so when I, when I was on the sideline, Denzel and Christian, they were right next to each other. And obviously they play on the field next to each other, but on the sideline, they were talking and laughing and joking. They were together. Good offensive lines got to be together. You almost have to have this sixth sense to know. Cause, cause, cause as a defensive lineman, you do different pass rush games, right? You might start it. I might be inside playing defensive tackle over the guard, over Denzel. And I may go in the B gap to go and try and pick or push out Christian Jones so that whoever's the defensive end could come around inside the A gap. And all of a sudden we get a sack. But if Christian and Denzel have chemistry, before I go and pick Christian, Denzel may see me or my angle or my eyes or even my level of departure and say, game, 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 game. Christian's got to trust that. Relationships help you trust. And then move his eyes inside real quick and keep me from picking him. Get his hands on me. Remove his body inside. You may hear Christian say, over, over, over. And instead of Denzel taking his normal kick drop vertically, he'd go back inside to take the inside looper. So I see chemistry. Jake Majors, we talk about his intelligence. You know, I think he has potential in room to grow. Obviously, Kerstetter is going to be a force. And when you know, Kyle Flood, the O-line coach, he mentioned his name multiple times. He mentioned his presence in the room, even though he's been hurt. Leadership. So I get excited about guys like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I get excited about, about Junior Angelau, who's physical and, and nasty. I get excited about Andre Carrick, who stepped in for Cosme after an injury, if I'm not mistaken, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, and you didn't see a drop-off, didn't see a huge drop-off. Yeah. So, and Tope Mare, who is helping push everyone to become better because he's been through a lot. Yeah. And so, one, I get excited about the chemistry, but then two, and oh, by the way, there some, I'm sure there's incoming freshmen and maybe a transfer we talked about, but two, Kyle Flood, O-line coach, is the best in, in the game. So what are we really talking about? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just like Steve Sarkeesian can make people better. Kyle Flood makes people better. He, he, he's, a, he's an artist. Like, he paints words. He paints a picture using words. I remember watching practice one day or watching a film of practice and he was trying to help the old lineman understand how to, how to run block. And he's, and he's doing his, doing the imitation of it, but he says words like, I want you to step on his feet, like step on his feet. <laughs> but if you think about it, that word picture says, Oh, you want me to keep on stepping on his feet as I go and block him. You want me to be that close, that tight, that engaged where I can literally step on his feet. Yes, I want you to step on his feet. I want your eyes under his chin. 
Yeah. Eyes under his chin. Yeah. I'm, but I'm six, four. Exactly. Low man wins. I want your eyes under his chin. So, so, so Kyle Flood, and, and it goes back. He's a te- he was a teacher. He was a, a math teacher. I think eighth grade or middle school, something, maybe high school math teacher. So at his core, Kyle Flood was. So at his core, he teaches. He's not a coach who just yells and screams. He wants to teach you. And, and math of all subjects, math can be a complex thing to understand. My, my, my favorite math teacher, her name was J.T. Sutcliffe. She taught, I think it was algebra or, or honors calculus or something. Or maybe it was algebra when you first start learning algebra or calculus when you first start learning calculus. And I was, you know, honors and AP. And, and she was the best teacher for me because she would always paint pictures with words. I didn't understand something. And, and she would stop. She would say, Sam, it's like football. If you're trying to go get the quarterback, you know that there's, you know, four guys next to you. And I'll say, you know, five man front, right? Let's say there's four guys next to you. So, you know, and she'd give this example of, you know, the guy coming on this side would go on this side. And she'd give these examples that just made sense. They just made sense. You know, Sam, it's like basketball, right? You shoot this, because you know, I play basketball too, right? If you shoot a two, it's worth two points. But if you back up one step, we're trying to figure out quadratic equations. You back up one step, Boom, it's worth three points. But if you miss and get a rebound and an one, that could be worth three as well. So you're trying to figure out this quadratic equation, try to get to three points. Well, there's multiple ways. You can, you can shoot a two and get fouled, make the free throw. You could back up and shoot a three-pointer, right? You could, you could be in the double bonus, make the first free throw, miss it. Somebody gets the rebound and puts it back. There are many ways to get to three points. So just like a quadratic equation, there's many ways to solve this equation. You could solve for X first, right? Three-pointer. Or you could try to solve for Y first. It's that and one. Or you can try and separate the, separate the, the two you know, equations and then you know, that's a free throw. And it just made sense. And Kyle Flood is the exact same way. When he says things, they just make sense. Step on his toes. Eyes under his chin. That's how yeah. he teaches. I told y'all that uh, I always feel smarter after a conversation with, with Sam Acho because, I mean, that is, I'm a, I'm a visual learner as well. So if, if, it, if I can't see it, it's going to be tough for me. Um, wrapping things up with, with Sam, Sam, what, what are realistic expectations? And I don't even know if there is such a thing for Texas fans, but in Steve Sarkeesian's first year, we know it didn't work for Charlie Strong. It didn't work for Tom Herman in part because the leadership of the university was disjointed. Um, You know, I mean, Steve Patterson hires Charlie Strong. Uh, Mike Perrin hires Tom Herman. Now you've got Chris Del Conte. You've got Jay Hartzell. You've got Kevin Eltai from the Regents board. They seem pretty aligned. They went and hired Steve Sarkeesian. What, what should Texas fans, you know, what would you say to Texas fans about year one under Steve Sarkeesian? I would say that patience will be critical 
for the fans' well-being. Look for the little things. So as a fan, you're Steve Sarkeesian, you're Alabama, you're USC. You say, okay, I want, I want to be, I want to win now. College football playoff. Big 12 champions now. But I would say patience would be important for the fan. But to look for the little things. What do I mean by that? Look for little wins. Maybe it's consistent quarterback play. Maybe it's defensive line getting to the quarterback. Maybe it's giving up less points. Maybe it's some dominant DBs. The coaches, trust me when I say this, have far less patience than any fans. <laughs> yeah. They want these coaches. I don't know about other coaches. I don't know about, but these coaches, I got a chance to talk to a lot of them and, and meet some of them, have far less patience than any fan. But they also understand that, oh, and by the way, they're not going to give any 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 uh, cop-outs either. I know some people give a lot of cop-outs. Well, it was off It was a COVID. We didn't have an off-season. Nobody had an off-season. So that's not an excuse. Figure it out. These coaches won't give any excuses, but they do understand that they want to help build and develop a winning program. program. They want to leave this place better than how they found it. And so with anything in life that you want to be successful at, it takes time. A marriage. I've been married for seven years. First couple of years were a struggle. And I feel like I'm, you know, I feel like I'm like, I'm not trying to be a good guy. Or I, want to, I want to be a good husband, good father. I think I am. But the first couple of years were a struggle. Now we're in year seven and it's, it's getting better. It has nothing to do with money or success. We've been through the ringer in our marriage, been on different teams and been released and lost loved ones and all these things. But it takes time. Number one. Number two, it takes intentionality. These coaches are very intentional. We talked about, you know, stepping on their toes. We talked about Bug, Jaron Thompson in the film room. Talked about Sark, the way he develops coaches. These coaches are really, really intentional. They want their guys to be great. And then lastly, number three, it takes empathy. Not necessarily from the fan. If you want it, great. You know, the word fan, I think it comes from the word fanatic, right? Crazy. So I can't ask fans to be empathetic but these coaches have empathy so they understand man these players have been through a lot you know three offensive coordinators in three years a couple different dcs or you know these coaches have been through a lot and so let me empathize with them and what empathy really means it doesn't mean well you could just be okay and be average it means i'm gonna love you well we talked about it earlier right let the world see you how to be real in a world full of fakes the book that I just wrote about what it means to be seen, to be known, and to be loved. These coaches want to see these players for who they are. They want to know them, what they're good at, what they're struggling with. I think especially now, they're learning how to love them well and love them on the field by saying, you got to be better. Stan Drayton, prime example, running backs coach. That's why Bajan's going to be great. He's already great, but he's, Stan Drayton's going to help him be better. He coached Ezekiel Elliott. He coached Jordan Howard, right? Um, you got to be better. I want you to be as, that's what Stan said to, to Bijan. I want you to be as strong as an ox. You don't hear that in the running back world. 
but he said, I want, but then Bijan said, man, I want to, like, we want to be strong physically, but also spiritually, emotionally, mentally strong as an ox. So these coaches empathize. They want their guys to be better and they love them well. And so that's why, that's why, yes, they will be great. This program, I believe, and I haven't said this, you haven't heard me say this a lot in the last couple of years at all, not even a lot at all in the last couple of years. Um, but yes, yes, it will be great, but it will take time because anything worth doing is worth the time. Yeah. Well, that is, uh, that is great stuff. And, and as you were talking, it made me think, um, I've always said the sign of a well-coached team is week to week improvement. And, and so we'll look for that. We'll look, we'll look for that. Yes. Yes. And it's, and it's that, and it's also no excuses. It's no excuses. Week to week improvement, right? You don't want to see regression. You know, you don't want to see one week we play well. You don't want to see up and down just little by little, but also you don't want to hear the excuses. Like that's the thing I, 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 you know, from the coaches, right. You know, like, like leaders take responsibility. And so what I'd be watching for, if I'm a fan is I'd watch the post game interviews with the coaches, watch the post-practice interviews with the coaches, see if they're placing blame in public or see if they're taking responsibility. In private, do what you got to do. Come on, you have to be better. But in public, see if they're placing blame on something outside of themselves or taking responsibility and saying phrases like the buck stops here, or it all starts with me, or that's on me. The best coaches I've been around publicly, they take that weight and they take that pressure. And then privately, they'll do what they got to do to get their team and themselves better. That's good stuff right there. Um, And the book is let the world see you how to be real in a world full of fakes. Like I said, I'm ordering it right now. And, and Sam um, really, really appreciate the time. Love the conversation as always. And um, excited to see what you're, what you're up to next. And, uh, and thanks so much for the time today. Definitely. Definitely. I got a pot. So yeah, check out the book for sure. And I got a podcast as well called the Athletes for Justice podcast. So those who listen to, who care about sports, but also you care about justice. Um, we talk about kind of how you can bring justice and hope in a broken world. So the book, uh, I think you'll love that. Anyone who listens to it, Chip, especially you, I think you'll, anybody reads it or listens to the audio book, but also that podcast as well about athletes and justice and how it intertwines. It's something I've been really enjoying. Well, that's uh, kudos to you. And um and hopefully we'll see you on the Longhorn Network more uh, this this coming football season. Um, and thanks again to Sam Acho, and thanks to everybody for listening in to the flagship podcast interview. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7. Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. 
Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.